Uh, we're going to be in Psalm 119, verses 65 through 72 tonight. And one of the things that I love most, I think, about Scripture is that it, it just, it always knows. You know what I mean? It always knows. It has the ability to meet us wherever we are, whatever it is that we're going through. But then it doesn't leave us there. It, it pushes us forward. It compels us to go forward, to understand perhaps what it is that we're going through, perhaps what it is that we're wrestling with or struggling with, and pushes us forward to understand it to a greater degree, really primarily from the perspective of the, that God has regarding whatever our situation is. And this is especially helpful when we consider it in the realm of affliction. We experience affliction in a myriad of different ways. I mean, if I were to ask you, when you hear the word affliction, what comes into your mind? It could be something that you're currently going through and feeling like you're, going, you're personally going through a time or a season of some sort of affliction right now. It could have something to do with other people. It could have something to do with personal health. It could have something to do with other people or maybe their health. It could have things to do of what it is that are on the news and that we see are going around in the world and things going on within our country. It could be, a numer- it could be numerous things. Um, and generally, I think when we approach affliction, it's all, we're always helped when we consider it, if we can, which is what our passage tells us to do tonight, consider it through the perspective of affliction being a blessing, especially when it is lived out in relationship with God, who brings the affliction, who will ordain the affliction, who is sovereign over the affliction. And now I don't, I don't say this lightly because I know that um, affliction can be, there are varying degrees of it. I'll say that. I think that when we think about affliction on the smaller scale of things, we really are better equipped to embrace the sovereignty of God in it. Better to embrace the fact that he has a plan for it. He's ordained it. He's brought it into our lives. But I think as we slide down the scale of affliction towards things that are really close to home, very personal, very hard, they're gut-wrenching, heart-wrenching issues, we then really struggle with and wrestle with, is God still sovereign over this? And if he is, and he's ordained it, why? And we wrestle with all these kinds of things. And as we've learned through Psalm 119, the psalmist always views everything through the lens of God's word first. And God's word is the interpretive grid for which we are to understand all of life, including affliction. And in our passage, especially tonight, we address the the issue of affliction through the lens of it being for our good. Being part of God's purpose and providence in our life for our good. It is because he loves us that we at times face affliction. It is not an example of God's disapproval or hatred of us, but it is oftentimes the proof of his love and his plan for us. For those of you who are doing the leadership cohort, and if you're you're reading this little gem right now, um, he, he addresses this issue in particular quite in depth. And I just want to read a few sentences 
He says, afflictions come not by casualty, but by counsel. All that he, being God, all that he does is in pursuance of and in reference to some eternal glorious ends upon my soul. It is in my ignorance of God's design that makes me quarrel with him. He says to thee in this case, as he did to Peter, what I do thou knowest not now, but thou shalt know hereafter. And so he talks about we quarrel with God because we go through affliction and hardship. We don't understand God's purpose. We don't understand his reason and his ordination for it. But we have to rest in the fact that in him allowing it, it is, is an expression of his goodness and his love and his kindness to us. And better yet, he is actually with us in the affliction. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. His rod and his staff they comfort us. They are always with us through every season of life. And that's what the psalmist talks about in Psalm 119 tonight. So I prepare us in that way because this says some things that I think when we first read it, we kind of um, wrestle with it. And maybe now we'll be in a better position to, to embrace what it is that the scripture says regarding this issue tonight. So Psalm 119 verses 65 through 72, I'm going to read through it in its entirety. And then we'll look, we'll look at a few aspects of it. The psalmist writes, You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I believe in your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. The insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. Their heart is unfeeling like fat. But I delight in your law. It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. I think if you spend some time reading through this, and you'll notice the, the back and forth between the goodness of God, the presence of God, and the presence of affliction as well. And the psalmist finds himself in a position of seeing and knowing that he has either been through affliction or is going through affliction, and yet God has been with him and God has had a plan for it. And so he can look back and say that it's actually for his good and that God has a purpose for all these things. It's, he's still, even in affliction, <coughs> verse 65 is true. You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. God, one of the great promises is something that we read here in verse 65 is that God always deals with us according to his word. He never goes outside the boundaries of what he's given to us in scripture as to who he is and what he does. Now that's incredibly comforting because it gives us a clear picture and representation of who God is. Um, I've heard it said oftentimes that God is bound by his word. And I struggle, I, I believe it, but I struggle with the phrasing of it because it seems to be, and I know this isn't what people mean when they say it, but it seems that God has given us his word and that he's bound himself to it. And, but he kind of wishes that he maybe would have said something different and bound himself to that instead, because that's kind of how we do it, right? We'll make promises to one another or to other people. And then when it comes around to keep good on that promise, we're kind of like, I wish I would have maybe promised something else. I kind of regret making that promise to this person. Um, and that's not the way that God is. Um, I, God is bound by his word in the sense that he happily and joyfully 
gives us his word out of his own free volition and will for us to see and to know who he is. He's not bound by it because he doesn't, because he has to be. He's bound by it because he wants to be, and it's the free expression of who he is. And it's a wonderful treat for us to know that what we have in our hands right here is completely trustworthy. And that the God who says what he says to us in the word is who he is. There is no changing. There is no shifting with him. If he says that he is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, that's that's true. If he says that he's a, a God jealous for his own glory, that is also equally true. It's a wonderful privilege for us to know that God deals with us according to his word. And in that way, we can always say that God deals well with us. God always deals well with his people. And so the psalmist then says, teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe in your commandments. I know that you always deal and act in accordance with your word. Your word. The problem is, is that I don't know enough of your word to know enough about you, who you are, and your ways. And this is what affliction does. It, it, it distorts reality. It clouds our understanding of who God is and his character what's going on around us. But what the word of God does, it's like the wind that comes in it and it blows the fog away and it, cl- it, it clarifies reality for us, the way that things really are, the one who is truly on the throne, the one who really rules over all things. And in that way, we can say like the psalmist says, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I keep your word. I can see even in my affliction, your good purposes in it. You, you bring me back in line through God's discipline and his love for us. We will experience and encounter affliction uh, to varying degrees. But we could say like the psalmist, before I was afflicted, I, I went astray. You think about the children who, you know, young kids that before they know what the rules are and the boundaries are, they just run wild and they think that they're having the best time of their life, not having any idea that probably more times they're not, they're putting themselves in the way of danger and harm. But when parents bring them back in line, it's not to squash their fun. It's so that they might experience life fully within the boundaries of safety in the way that life was intended to be lived out. And in the same way for us, God afflicts us in, in those moments where we stray. And when we do, we learn to keep his word. If our eyes are open, if we're watching, if we're listening, if we see his good purpose in it for us and his plans in our lives for it. And that is something that we know to be truth from verse 68. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. I I go astray. You correct me through affliction. You bring me back in. That That was awfully good of you to do, God. You are good and you do good. And so again, the reiteration is teach me. Help me to learn. Help me to learn your ways. Help me to learn about you so that I might live the life that's pleasing to you and one that I will enjoy. We've, we've, one of the first things that we learned in Psalm 119 is that holiness begets happiness. But the more we get conformed into the image of Christ, the more that we grow in our holiness is 
believers, the happier we will be. And so through affliction, he teaches us, he molds us, he shapes us, he refines us, he chisels off the rough edges. And we begin conformity into the image of Christ and growing in that holiness. We become happier because we're becoming who God has intended for us to be as his agents, his representatives, people created in the image of God. If we're created in the image of God, wouldn't it make sense that our our truest happiness exists in being conformed into that image? But again, we have our opponent, verse 69 and 70, probably the person that the psalmist has in mind, maybe that is the object of affliction, even though God ordains it, he uses people and situations, right, to be objects of affliction in our lives. We sometimes say that person is a real thorn in my side. The insolent smear me with lies. But what does the psalmist do? Again, we see over and over again, even in the face of opposition, attack, persecution, there's the return back to the word of God because the the psalmist trusts in the word of God. The word of God is where the psalmist always returns. Is that what you and I do? At some point, do we always have that aha moment and go, I know, I should go back to the word of God. I should go back to the scripture to help me understand, to give me proper perspective. Though I always go back to the word. When I have, when the insolent smear me with lies, I don't know if you've ever had somebody just smear your character and gossip about you, talk badly about you, and lie about you and your character to other people, to where it influences other people around to then see you in that way as well and you're not even given a a fair shot to represent yourself they've already figured out who you are because so and so already informed them as to the type of person that you are and what's the general response i've got to defend myself i have to prove myself i've got to set the record straight i've got to tell them that that they're wrong and this is really who i am and we rush oftentimes to our own defense. And it's appropriate at times, I think, when we're given the opportunity to do that in the right way. But do we, are we tempted to then leave the word of God behind? Or do we then find ourselves still tethered to God's word and with our whole heart still live in a way that's going to be pleasing to him? He says, but their heart is unfeeling like fat. Of course they do what they do. They don't feel anything. They're numb to sin. They have no definition of proper justice, righteousness, holiness. They have no idea of what is truly good because it's not, none of those things are defined according to how God defines them. Their heart is unfeeling like fat. Have you ever had, you know, a steak and the fat is sitting there and you trim it off and you just kind of, it just, you just kind of poke it and it's just, it just sits there and wobbles. It's unfeeling. There's, there's nothing to it. It's lifeless. The psalmist says that's what they're like. Their heart is unfeeling like fat. They have no regard for what they do and for what they say. But what do I do? I delight in your law. Over and over again. 
I delight in your law. I return back to your word, my whole heart. I keep your precepts. It's not just knowing the word. It's living the word. It's applying the word. It's very different to be in a situation of affliction and to know what God's word says versus being in a situation of affliction and knowing what God's word says and acting upon the truth of it. It is acting upon the truth of what God's word says that proves the degree of which we really believe it. That's faith applied, lived out in life. And that person can say again in 71, it is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. When I go through affliction, how many times have you gone through a hardship in your life and because of it, you have learned something about God that you might not have ever, ever learned otherwise. And in the middle of that storm and that affliction, you want nothing else but out. Relief is what you want the most. But then you endure it and you see that God is faithful. And he's, been, he's been with you in it. He not only ordains it, but he walks and carries us through it. And we look back upon it and there's things that we learn about him and about people and about life and righteousness and holiness and godliness and Christ-likeness and the kingdom that we wouldn't have learned otherwise and we wouldn't trade that in for the world. But yet, when we encounter another season of affliction, what do we do? Make it stop. Make it go away. Instead of, again, looking at these as seasons of life that are good, we learn. If we stop and listen and look and read. I'm talking about there's the difference between, again, knowing the word and reading the word versus knowing it, reading it, meditating upon it, embracing it, digesting it, and applying it to your life because, you, because it's been so woven into the fabric of who you are. That's the type of living through affliction that the psalmist envisions. And we see that at the end in verse 72. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver pieces. And this is one of the incredible things that um, God offers to us is the ability to see the word of God as being more valuable than gold and silver. Is that how you look at your is that how you look at your Bible? This book is more valuable than any amount of money, any amount of gold or silver or precious stones, any 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 house I could ever want, any car I could ever drive, any sort of electronic I could ever purchase. Can't compare with God's word. I think of um, Proverbs chapter three. Verses 13 and 15. Blessed is the one who finds wisdom and the one who gets understanding. For the gain from her is better than the gain from silver and her profit better than gold. She is more precious than jewels and nothing you desire can compare with her. And where does that wisdom come from? But God's word. So my encouragement for you guys, as it is for myself, is that we would learn to not only... Um, endure affliction, but that we would actually see it as God's blessing in our life for our good, especially when we know that it's lived out in partnership with him. He never leads us where he's not also with us. 
And these things that he has ordained for us are for our good, even the afflictions, so that we might learn his statutes and learn of him and his ways. And we learn to embrace living life, not seeking to avoid hardship, but seeking to embrace them when they come and bring them to him and know that he is with us in those times and through those times. Let's pray. Father, when we think about the afflictions that we endure, we are awestruck by the fact that all of the components that go into that affliction are under your sovereign providence and care. You are completely, and in that way, you are completely good and trustworthy with all things. Lord, we don't desire difficult seasons in our lives. I think if we're being honest, we would much rather have a life of relative ease and comfort, peace, free from conflict, free from sickness, free of disease. But in the world that we live, Lord, it's just not possible yet. When you come, you'll renew the heavens and the earth, And forever, for all of eternity, all of those things will be done away with. And we'll be left with nothing but perfect peace, perfect rest, enjoyment, love, mercy, overflowing. will just be nothing but overflowing springs of mercy towards one another, goodness and love and kindness towards one another as we receive it um, unhindered by you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would conform our minds, conform our hearts to, to love and to value and to cherish your word more than any amount of money, more than any possession, and that in it we would see that you offer us life because we have, you offer us in your word our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ. And he is, we would never trade him in for anything in the world. And when we come to the word, it's him that we see. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to see the one who has been afflicted on our behalf, who knows what it is to suffer. When it says that we have a faithful high priest who's able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, it's because he has been afflicted in every way that we have been and that we are, and yet he is free and without sin. He is victorious and triumphed over all, and he intends to bring us into glory with him, final and full victory and triumph over that which can so easily afflict us now. So we look to you, we hold on to you, and we embrace the promises that you give us in your word, and we pray that you be magnified in our lives. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.